0: today we're talking about black pudding now if you happen to be from the UK and Ireland let's face it this food needs no introduction but perhaps we should explain as we do have quite a few foreign listeners don't we Jack?
1: Yeah so basically it's a blood sausage so Mm -hmm. the blood is heated with salt and then mixed with grain it is worth mentioning it's quite a lot of grain Um, and once at the right consistency it's then um, sealed into kind of the shape of a sausage and cooked And this is the way you buy it. So it's actually always cooked when you buy it. But what we'll hear is that even back at the beginning of the tradition of this product, uh, it's always cooked again to get that kind of crispy finish. Mm,
0: yeah and probably most commonly we eat it for breakfast here but chefs have actually elevated this sausage and now you're going to find it appearing in many meals many menus and used in many different ways and for those of you who have not tried black pudding perhaps you might even say you wouldn't when you hear what's actually in it but do not be afraid because we are going to hear from our guests today there are many converts and if you just look at how many producers of black pudding there are in Ireland and how many countries around the world eat it it's actually a super popular and very nutritious food.
1: Yeah, I was kind of surprised to realize how many countries have a tradition because our black pudding in Ireland would be very much an Irish and a UK mm. known kind of originated product. But of course, yeah. it was because there was blood. What were people going to do with blood? So in France, they have a boudin noir. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood sausage in Belgium and the ne- Netherlands is called the Blood Bloodvurst. In Africa, actually, there's one called mutura. In Barbados, there is a blood sausage, which they actually also call a pudding, and it's made with sweet potato, mm. pig's blood, and onions. In um, Cajun and Creole cooking, it's called boudon rouge. In Yucatan Peninsula, morsilla, which is what it's called, is made exclusively from pig's blood, and once it's deep-fried, it's served with a mix of pickled onions, cilantro, and spices, and it's always consumed in the form of tacos and paired with fresh habanero peppers. So that one sounds like it's pretty... blood. In Chile, the blood sausage is called preta, which is a synonym for um, negra, meaning black, and it tends to have a very thick skin, so it's eaten kind of cut open lengthways, top to bottom. Korea, Mongolia, Taiwan, Nepal, India all have their own versions of blood sausages.
0: Well, that was a great introduction, but I think we need to go no further here because our guest today is a black expert we are talking to Kate Ryan
2: <laughs> so, um, I, so I'm a food writer and I specialize I suppose in uh, in producers in stories and in food history and food culture so in Ireland. in Ireland yeah yeah Ireland is my focus so obviously you can probably tell from my accent I am a blow-in In West Cork, like everybody else in West Cork. Um, So I'm from Bristol in Southwest England originally. Um, I've been living here since 2005 and last year I became an Irish citizen.
0: Now Kate recently penned an article called The Elf, The Story of the Irish Food in One Pudding. And it's a truly fascinating read. And it's taken actually from her studies as part of the Irish Food Culture Course at UCC. And Kate did a whole research paper on the topic of black pudding.
1: Yeah, so we got stuck in with Kate to talk about the history of this quintessentially Irish and UK ingredient, which is actually now a protected geographical indication recognized in some parts of Ireland. That's the PGI. And we get into how it was made back in the day and how it's done now. And we tasted and we compared three different types of black pudding that are local to Kate. And she gave us some tips on how to cook black pudding and eat it at times other than breakfast.
0: Who knew? And soft warning for our guests, we did get stuck into some of the medieval process of making black pudding and the practices of slaughter back then. So if you have sensitive ears, maybe be aware about that.
1: My God. So let's start with this. How many books do you have on black pudding?
2: Um, Well, I suppose I actually have quite a few, but see, this is the whole thing you see, Jack, is that there's no one definitive text on black pudding so I had to go off on this mad rabbit hole of research trying to find whatever I could wherever I could in old books that are no longer in print like you know books I've had to source from rare book dealers research papers online I talked to 15 16 different people in interviews like to get their kind of lived experiences of black pudding making and then just kind of pulled all that together so it was literally It was a bit of a treasure hunt, really. There is no one definitive text. And this is kind of what I feel will be my life's work, Jack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But come here, why black pudding in the first place? Anyway, what was it that Uh, made you pick this topic?
2: Yeah, so I I was doing this uh, Irish food culture course, postgraduate diploma at UCC. And our final research project, uh, our thesis, had to be kind of cited in the Department of Folklore and Ethnography in UCC, um, which I think is unofficially kind of referred to as the, the Department of Fairy Tales. So, <laughs> 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 I wrote not want to that.
0: <laughs> but um, anyway,
2: so there had to be some sort of folkloric element to the research projects yeah. that we were doing. So I had, I was like, what will I do? What will I do? I don't really know enough about Irish folklore myself. Mm. Not you know, growing up here to kind of really be able to place it. But then I kind of had this moment of inspiration around when I was doing the, the food tourism Klonik Hilty, One of the stories that always used to just captivate people was the story about the recipe yeah. behind Clonacilty uh, Black Pudding and this mm. kind of like semi-mythic local mm. legend, you know, of, of this kind of unbroken recipe myth and the secret spice mix and all these yeah. kinds of things, you yeah. know, yeah. and it just perfectly fitted the... the uh, um interpretation of of what could be considered as folklore so i thought i was just going to go off and do a research project about the story behind clonic guilty black pudding but it just ended up being so much wow. more because what we kind of find out like that was that nobody has written definitively about the culture of of blood eating blood as food food from blood blood puddings black puddings mm. in ireland ever there's there's one definitive text which is uh, this book that I brought down, which is A.T. Lucas, who wrote this actually a collection of um, essays called Cattle in Ancient Ireland. And there's one essay within the book, uh, which is called uh, Blood Drawn from Live Cattle. And it's about 40 pages long. And that's it. That is it in terms of like actually somebody going off and doing research about, you know, establishing that there was this culture of eating food from blood or blood yeah. as food um, in in the Irish culture. So that was my start. It wasn't even my starting point. I got to that about halfway through um, my research. So, um, yeah, so it was just ripe for research.
0: Wow. You,
1: so, that's you, you brilliant. And you're, <laughs> you're talking about like, OK, so the, the Irish culture and how it hasn't been particularly explored or, or, or explained out. Are you aware of other cultures that are... Have, that have other food cultures in the world that have blood sausage, let's say, similar to black pudding available to them or is it kind of a quintessentially Irish thing?
2: It's not a quintessentially Irish thing because you go to the UK, you go to France, you go to Spain, you go to Portugal, you go to Germany mm. you know, Austria, all of these countries have um uh, a tradition of some form of eating some form of blood pudding sausage Mm. um, of some form, like, you know, the noir, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, So it's not necessarily like that itself is not necessarily unique to Ireland. What is unique to Ireland is the culture of drawing blood from live cattle and then how that was used. And then kind of on top of that, then when you kind of put that in, you know, this social cultural context of Ireland being a, uh, a colonized country, how that practice was used to kind of corrupt, control, subvert Irishness mm-hmm. from an outside source. That this was wow. some debase culture, that this was raw food, yeah. that this was dirty, you know, it was uncivilized, and that this was why the Irish had to be controlled mm-hmm. and educated. It's the worst kind of sort of apartheid thinking actually really yeah, yeah. I mean, and I,
1: i've never heard about this drawing blood from a live cattle no. situation it's it's very it's new to me yeah um this practice was quintessentially irish so so the it, blood that was used in other cultures was taken from a slaughtered animal
2: basically. yeah yeah it's essentially yeah. so uh, in ireland um you know you have this you have this dual practice so uh, Lucas, in his book, he's talking about particularly cattle. Mm. And why that was of interest for me is because the Clonakilty black pudding is made from beef blood, uh-huh. which okay. is quite unusual. Most mm-hmm. puddings are made from porcine blood, pork blood. So um, there's this whole thing of, um, in, in, in Ireland, you have a domestic economy, homes, that are raising a small number of animals. One will be a cow, uh, a pig. There's probably ducks or hens mm. for eggs, that kind of thing, anything that kind of can provide food. Mm-hmm. So the cow would have been a dairy cow
0: mm-hmm.
2: rather than a beef cow. Okay. You know, this isn't quite yeah. not, you know, it's a relatively more recent, and I say that in the last 400 years, you know, that we have this distinction between dairy and cattle, cows mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so they would have had a dairy cow the milk would have been the most important um product coming from the cow mm-hmm. and we talked a bit about you know how there was all these different um classifications of products made from milk mm-hmm. um and how this was kind of enshrined in breton law even so this is going back to sort of 7th century in ireland um and then the cow would be kept for like say 10 years 12 years you know much much longer than what they're kept for now and only at that and they would, then be drawing the live blood from the cattle at that point so during the spring the cow is giving birth it's raising it's it's uh it's young on on its milk and then that stops they're fattened up on summer meadow grasses okay. when they're at their peak health and their peak nutritional content yeah. that's when they start to live bleed the cattle they take a okay. little at a time and they mix it into things like with oats and milk to make almost like a, a blood porridge wow. um, or um, like just drink it even, yeah. you know, that I mean, that's quite rare, but there is uh, certainly for battle, you know, <laughs> going into battle, you drink the blood because it was felt as though it would give you this kind of spiritual and kind of extra is, power, you know? Why is blood good for you? Blood is good for you because it's in all animals, including ourselves, is kind of like the substance of our, of mm. our being, you know, mm. um, our blood carries uh, iron, other nutri- nutri- nutrients to the whole of our body, carries oxygen around our body, is packed full of mm. iron, is packed full of nutrients, and that is the same no matter what animal you are. Yeah. So it is a really, really nutritious food. And this is why there's this whole thing of why, um, you know, the Irish knew that. The Irish yeah. knew that blood was good for you. The Irish knew that it was good sense yeah. to draw blood and eat it because it gave you sustenance. It mm. gave you good nutrition. Yeah. But the outsiders coming in, these propagandists from the British crown kind of going around uh, ironing and saying, oh, God, look at you, look at you and your peasant ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't understand this. Mm. They're coming from a completely different culture. Yeah. And and whether they kind of wanted to understand it or could understand it, they chose not to for Mm -hmm. the purposes of propaganda. It
1: was weaponized.
2: It was weaponized. That's exactly it, Jack. It was entirely weaponized. Um, but it was this good sense, so and then obviously, when the cow was uh, like at the end of its life, then you use every single bit you know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of something that we're coming coming back to now, nose to tail, you know kind yes. of yeah. use every bit of the animal because you know uh, food is a uh, scarce it's precious, mm-hmm. you know, and we've learned that more than ever now yeah. in the last kind of couple of years. You know, so you'd use everything. So at that point, then you'd be draining the blood from uh, the slaughtered animal, mm. and then you'd be mixing that into, into blood puddings. So it was much more common to have live blood drawn from catalyst food in, we say medieval times in Ireland. And then the, uh, the, the, the blood puddings then would be the result of coming to the end of its life. So that's the cow, but at the same time you have the pig. right? Mm-hmm. And the pig would have been slaughtered on an annual basis. Um, so the blood then would have been, you wouldn't have had live bleeding from pigs. They just would have collected the blood from pigs. Same with sheep as mm-hmm. well. And goose as well. Goose was slaughtered at the okay. Right.
0: Um,
2: and you could have goose blood puddings as well. Wow. So, um, yeah. So then you'd, you'd save the blood from the pig. Yeah. You'd eat that, make that into a blood pudding and you'd eat that as a fresh source of meat along with the, the pork tenderloin. And then the rest of the pig then would be butchered, prepared, salted, cured, maybe hung up inside chimney breasts okay. for smoking wow. or barreled in salt and that would be your provisions and the, the pig would be slaughtered after autumn mm-hmm. so they would feed on hazelnuts and all this kind yeah. of stuff um, and uh, yeah so when the when the when the pig was prime that would be when it was slaughtered so these animals were really really important to the yeah. domestic economy.
0: And was there like a kind of a hierarchy of animals that were better for blood or did it really matter?
2: not for blood yeah not for blood really it was more about um their main product okay. and so i suppose for cows their main product was milk yeah and for pork their main product was meat but salted meat okay. fresh meat was is like quite a new taste in in it's the irish fresh, and it, yeah. yeah because they're preserving the meat was really important yeah, and they yeah. did that through salting and smoking okay so i love the idea of you know there are paintings as well you can see like sketches and stuff of like you know baking flitches flitches hanging up inside the chimney you know smoking from the natural kind of you know and obviously that was a preservative but Mm. it gave a different kind of flavour as well you know so that's maybe why we like smoked things so much in Ireland (laughs) (laughs) can you tell fascinating
1: talking about the hierarchy of the different bloods today is there anyone making unusual blood puddings in Ireland that you've come across or is it the beef and pork
2: well I suppose there's kind of like there are most blood puddings in Ireland now are made from beef or pork um, mm-hmm. I'll talk about Trisheen in a bit. Yeah. It used to be mainly sheep, but now that's that's another reason about that. So um, I suppose pork is there's very few small producers of pork who slaughter their own animals. Mm. And when they're sending their animals off to the big slaughterhouses, we'll say the ABPs of this world or the um, other places like that around, they can't collect. blood. Mm -hmm. So uh, not all, but the vast majority of pork-based blood puddings are made from dried blood. Mm. But what we do have still in Ireland, you do still have some small um, abattoirs that still kill their own cows. So, and then the butchers collect that blood fresh it congeals very very quickly so it doesn't travel well or anything like that Mm. and then they use that to make their own blood puddings Mm. so where you have a butcher particularly a butcher that has their own abattoir Mm. with access to their own animals or the animals of another farmer and they're keeping back the blood they'll make their own and then so there are a few around like I'm based in Clonakilty, mm. so um, MJ O'Neill's is, is a butcher in the town. There are three generations they've been around for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. They have their own abattoir 100 yards from the butcher shop, so they still make their blood pudding using fresh blood. Mm-hmm. But then you have the likes of Inch House Pudding, um mm-hmm. of the country and down in Kerry I don't know whether you heard of this but a couple of years ago in Kerry um two in the village of Sneem, which I think ah, has yes. like less than yeah. 300 people living in yeah. it there are two butchers that are opposite sides of the road from each other and they're family run butchers mm. but they're different different mm. families but they both have their own abattoirs mm-hmm. they and they both make their own blood puddings to their own particular family recipes yeah and they use their fresh blood and they went and they got the pgi the protected geographic indicator status mm-hmm. from the eu for sneem black pudding and the requirement of sneem black pudding is that a is made in sneem and b that it has made from fresh blood
0: okay so um, and only from those two butchers or can another butcher No, if somebody yeah. rocked
2: up and opened a butcher shop and mm. we're there as long as they're making it in sneem with fresh blood mm. um then that's that's the main elements of the, of the PGI, Gio, yeah. 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 So, but I mean, like other place, of course, that kind of excludes other places. Mm. You kind of, you know, I had mm. this conversation with somebody before, kind of saying, you know, should it not, should the not the protect the protective part be about using fresh blood in general, yes, no matter where you are, yeah. you know, because it's such a rare thing. There yeah. are only a handful yeah. of people in Ireland that are making fresh blood puddings. You have to search them out, and you have to find them. Okay, but there's no kind of particular flavor precedence, I mm. suppose you ask anybody what's your favorite black pudding and if you were had 10 people around the table they probably all say a different black pudding you know because yeah. mm. and this is kind of what we're talking about or one of the central themes of my research was around recipe
0: mm-hmm.
2: and how recipe is so different yeah uh, that you can be in one small place and you could have three or four different people making black puddings and every single recipe the method is the same but the ingredients will be, will be different and therefore you have you will have a number of different black puddings that have maybe different bloods different mix of grains a different mi- mix of fats a different salt ratio different spices in yeah. the mix some uh, are made in casings mm-hmm. and are, are the traditional rings others mm-hmm. like the guys down in snee they don't use casings and they cook them like a cake okay. in a yeah. tray yeah. and then they slice them up accordingly like Lovely. that each yeah. house is the same yeah.
1: So, yeah it's like a loaf a loaf tin it's like yeah. a, like brown bread
2: yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah so there's all this huge variation mm. uh, around the place on on the actual ingredients in the recipe but okay. the method is that you can't there's only one way to make black pudding you know um but it's this mix of ingredients that what's you know, the one way
0: to make black pudding
2: Oh, well, you, first of all, you have to stir the blood okay. to stop it coagulating, and then you add the mm-hmm. salt, and that stops it from turning. Right. Uh, then you kind of mix up your dry ingredients, so your grains, your fats, and your spices, and your mm-hmm. salts, whatever, herbs, if you're putting herbs in. Then you add that to the blood. You mix it all together. A lot of people do it by hand. Okay. So the spoon goes out the window. You get in with your hands, and you yeah. turn it, turn it, turn it. And then you fill the casings if you're using a casing. Okay. So actually, this is an interesting point, though. Uh, the pudding part of black pudding actually refers to the casing. Okay. So the casing is normally the intestine. Right. Mm-hmm. And the intestine would have been cleaned out by women because they were saying, you know, they're women's fingers, not mine now, you know, yeah. the women's yeah. fingers are fine and dexterous and yeah. And you know, when able to work with this very uh, delicate intestine, mm. cleaning it meticulously cleaning it. And that would be filled with the blood mix. Okay. With the grain mix, tight and then plunged into boiling water very carefully because if it, you don't want it to burst so right. they just be kind of prodded every now and again make sure they don't burst yeah. in the water and then in the olden days this probably doesn't happen now but in the olden <laughs> days and actually my mother-in-law remembered this happening because I okay. spoke to her about it because her family used to slaughter sort pigs of mm. and make pudding um so they you take them out then of the boiling water uh, boiling water when they mm. were when they were cooked so obviously they've been tied and everything and then the, like say my mother-in-law now her mother would take two chairs and get the two brooms that she would have in the house and, and, and sight them between two chairs. And then she'd string the black puddings on the pole of the oh, broom wow, beautiful. To, yeah. dry, okay. to dry, to dry and then that's good. So this is the whole thing about black pudding. When you buy it in the shop, it's already cooked.
0: Yeah. We yes. only
2: heat it back up again for mm. because that's what our taste says we like. We want it heated yeah. up. We like that. Maybe the grains to go a bit crispy a or something. Crispy, fact, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it
0: kind of heightens the, the flavor. And the fat kind of juices out there. And yeah. It's, yeah really and it's really delicious. It with yeah. the
2: spices. So you kind yeah. of get, but you could mm. just kind of, you know, I used to say it on my tour, you know, if you were feeling really avant-garde, you could just take it and just slice it onto a piece of toast and eat <laughs> it like a pate cold out yeah. the fridge, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, so that's, it's very simple method. I mean, it's hard work. Yeah. It take, you would take a, a whole day to make black pudding.
0: Wow. And you know that way of heating it up now, would they have eaten it cold back in the day then? Or would no, it? No, yeah. it
2: would be fried in lard, pork okay. lard, if it was pigs, beef lard, if it was cows or tallow, okay. whatever. So, uh, yeah, and it would normally seem, because um, it was treated as a black, uh, fresh food, mm it would be cooked up in the pan along with say if you were if it was the pig with the mm. pork tenderloin mm. with the fresh piece of pork that wouldn't okay. be salted and that would be a treat and also as well, there was this whole thing, like, again, I'm going back in time. This isn't necessarily how it's done now on a commercial basis. I know, but <laughs> I love
0: this kind of going back and forth. It's, it's amazing how it's so intertwined between it is, yeah. the history mm. and yeah. our culture of this exactly. black pudding and how that, that's on our plate today. So this exactly. is amazing. So you'd yeah. have
2: like this kind of metal. So okay. I think I mentioned before that, especially with pigs, you'd have like a black pudding season. Mm. Um. So then what you'd have in small communities, everybody would have had a pig. So in small communities then, uh, a mehul would gather okay. basically, and you'd go, they go around to every single house in the community or the village, and for a day, the mehul would make the black pudding okay. in a particular house, and everyone would respect the recipe of the woman of the house. Yeah. So they would So all have a mehul for
0: somebody who doesn't know what that is—that's a kind of a gathering and people yeah. collectively doing something together. yeah specifically
2: yeah. around food, actually. Yeah. So uh-huh. the word mehul is kind of used for any community-based kind of gathering or a project. But actually, the old word relates specifically mm, to things like good. harvesting of crops okay. or the sharing of kind of communal knowledge, okay. traditions and knowledge. Ah, I, I didn't
1: realize about cool. the connection to food, but I know in the yeah. States it's called barn raising.
2: Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, do, we
1: do a barn raising because really? you would build it yourself your family would build it but it's a very big structure that's has to all come together with a lot of help so everyone would come at the end lift up the sides and lift on everything you know yeah
2: around. yeah so everyone would come together they'd all work in one aspect somebody would be stirring the blood yeah. another would be cleaning out the intestine somebody else would be gathering the ingredients okay. whatever and they'd make the blood pudding all together and then they'd eat together. Okay. And then as the metal would disband at the end of the day, everyone would be sent home with a piece of black pudding. Right. And then the next day or the next week, it would be somebody else's okay. turn and the mehel would gather again. Okay. And this is the whole kind of thing around Ireland of sharing food. Mm. Like if you've got black pudding, I've got potatoes, we'll swap. Yes. You know, yeah. if you've got excess yeah. or whatever, or a tur- bag of turnips or whatever, whatever is kind of going, or some butter or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So there's this whole idea of sharing food. Yeah. Um, to kind of keep it within the community gotcha. and that everybody would have a taste of everything. And yeah. that's to an certain extent, that's why in rural areas, even though life was hard, no matter where you were at a certain points in time, in rural areas, people tend to have eaten better than if mm. you were in the cities. okay? Because you had people raising their own food, growing their own food their crops whatever making their own food women would be going to market with eggs and butter mm. black pudding mm. selling that for an income so you had this kind of very vibrant domestic economy of food production in rural ireland yeah yeah um, not
1: much has changed there kate i'll tell you that yeah exactly but
2: exactly that's the thing yeah so uh yeah. it's fascinating
1: What about white pudding?
2: Mm. Uh-huh. so this always used to come up on the tour. Is like, mm. is there blood in white pudding? And obviously, it's not. Blood is what gives black pudding its color. Okay. Um, white pudding is generally, I think, pretty much without exception, actually, pork based. It's
1: pork. It's mm. a yeah. pork product.
2: So it's pork meat, pork fat, spices. Generally, if you have a producer of black and white pudding, the spicing will be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just the fact that there's no blood in the white pudding. There's more meat, there's more grain as well in the white pudding. That's a great mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Do you like white pudding?
2: Do I like white pudding? I like white pudding a lot less than I like black pudding. Mm. <laughs> which is <laughs> I like it a lot. Really. <laughs> yeah, I...
1: I, I I like them equally I think like black pudding is more interesting and there are definitely way more different varieties
2: yeah I yeah I just don't think that there is interesting god that sounds awful but I just prefer I I think black pudding has a much deeper savoury this. Mm.
1: yes that's, and that's true.
2: what I that's what I really yeah. like you know
1: yeah I'm quite it's it's a good fun. gateway pudding yeah. if you're a bit squeamish about blood you know
0: yeah but don't tell people what's in pudding and oh, then no, I think you have you're... to no no julie no <laughs>
2: <laughs> you but, have to tell them well tell them after they've tasted it no so i used to so again go going back to the tours you see and it was always like i oh, you'd always have some people and they'd be like i'm not eating black pudding i'm just letting you know now and you know and i would always say Wait till I finish with you and you're going to eat the black pudding. So you sell them on the story. You know, yeah. I think you have to be upfront about these things. You know, yes, there's blood. Why can't blood be considered food? Yeah. You know, and it's tasty and it's delicious and all the rest of it. And it's healthful and nutritious. So, you know, without fail, every single person that I would have that says, I'm not tasting the black pudding. You cannot sell me on black pudding. They would always end up <laughs> tasting the black pudding, say how delicious it was. So, you know, I think. Yeah, yeah. for anyone
0: to. who's not brave enough, just do it. Just do it, yeah. Just do it, yeah. And that's what's coming up next. So one of the things that Kate had prepared for us uh for this podcast recording was to cook up and taste three different local puddings. Now I was lucky enough to be standing next to Kate in her kitchen at home recording this podcast while Jack was talking to us online. So yep. I do get to taste and smell and be part of this black pudding cook up that's coming up now. Prepare for your mouth to water. Kate, can you tell us what we actually have here?
2: Yeah. So, so as I say, I live in Clonakilty, So, uh, well actually just outside Clonakilty. So I'm between two market towns, Clonakilty and Ross Carberry. So, uh, and i got, minimum three re- three black pudding makers in, in my locality. So I suppose the first one I have is the Clarnacilty black pudding, which is the one that's kind of available everywhere and mm. in the uk and across europe and even in australia if you can believe it wow and then, <laughs> that's impressive yeah they have their own uh, black pudding factory out okay so there. it's actually
0: made in australia yeah because so. they can't
2: they they bring in the secret spice mix because that's a dry goods so they can import that but everything okay. else is sourced locally right and they set up the factory specifically for the irish diaspora okay. in australia i okay. can't believe it so um, they were trying to do it in america as well but it's much tougher i can't do it over there so um <laughs> they tried and uh, it's so that's the Clonakilty black pudding there. And then the middle one I have is my, uh so this would be my local butcher. So that's okay. MJ O'Neill in Clonakilty. Mm-hmm. So he also, so Clonakilty black pudding is made with beef blood, but dried beef blood. Would okay. have been uh, fresh originally. Hawley's is fresh beef blood. So he has his own land, his own that graze overlooking Inchdonny Beach. Right. Has his own cattle, his own farmer that looks after the cattle, his own abattoir. 100, 100 yards down the road from the butcher shop so that's his and then this is ross carberry recipes which is available through neighbor food mm. so uh locally as well so this is a pork based okay so ross carberry recipes are really well known for their pork products mm. their sausages or yeah. and their black and white pudding mm. and this is a family recipe that avril has developed over the years
0: so should we expect to see to taste which difference now between the pig's blood and the beef blood
2: You should, you should be able to taste a difference. I think that there's a richer flavor comes from the beef as you, as you kind of would expect, you know, I suppose the Ross Carberry is, um, would be, would be lighter, but still really, really tasty. Like, you know, it's just not as intense as this, you know, but like if we were to look at them there, you know, so there's some basic things that go into every black pudding. So you have, you have blood, you have grain, you have fat, and you have spices, and mm. that would include salt as well. Salt is stirred with the blood if it's fresh. But even just with these three, Jack, I don't know if you can see. Like the different...
1: I actually am very familiar with the three of them, and I think I know what you mean. That Yeah. The, yeah.
2: So the size different. of the grain. Yes. So the yeah. mix of grain. So like, Hawley's is quite um, grainy. You can, see, you can see the fat in there. Mm. He's using a mix of what looks like to me pinhead oatmeal and barley. Um and this is less spicy than Conny Black Pudding. Okay. Conny Black Pudding is a spicy pudding. Mm-hmm. This is meteor tasting. Uh, and this is just a, a really nice favourite one anyway. Do you want me
1: to... So we, we, we've spoken about how there are so many different people <laughs> making black pudding in Ireland. Do you have a, an idea in your head of the number of black pudding makers, commercial oh black pudding God. makers there?
2: I actually don't know, to be perfectly honest with you, Jack. I haven't... Well, that's great because that just...
1: Yeah, it just further emphasizes how big that number is. But I think yeah. we we know that there's definitely Yeah. I, I would say there's more than a hundred. Definitely.
2: Oh, and, definitely, oh, definitely. Yeah. and like every I
1: think, village has got their own yeah, that's making them, exactly, don't they? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean every town every time, every town will have its own black pudding maker, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, a market town definitely, because even even in this day day and age, um, you know, there are still plenty of proper traditional craft butchers out there. Mm. And they'll be either making it themselves or they'll be working with somebody who makes it, you know, and some butchers will just, I mean, there are three actual butchers in, in the town of Clonacilty. The third one, he doesn't make his own. He sells the Clonacilty black pudding. Okay. But you know, like, you know, most, most will kind of, you'll find a black pudding somewhere and some are still kind of classed as farmhouse. Some are kind of much more bigger enterprises like you have the likes Mm. of say Ruds and all that Mm. kind of stuff, Mm. do you know? So, um, You know, but there's still innovation happening Mm. all the time. You kind of see products coming out. Like there's a crowd, Hamleys, I think they're called in, um, Mitchellstown. And they're making like a black and white pudding roulade. Okay. You know, so there's innovation all the time happening. Will I cook some up?
0: I think we should cook some up. Can you tell me, is black pudding really a superfood?
2: Well, all all foods are super, you know. I mean, I really do believe that all foods are are good for you in moderation. I mean... Yeah, I would say it is a superfood because it is, for many reasons, I suppose, because it is healthful, it is nutritious, but it's also really good practice to eat that pudding because in this day and age, we really should be making an effort to eat more of the offal of animals. Okay. Do you know? And that includes blood. Blood Mm. is considered offal. I think it just makes more sense. You know, this, a lot of the time is where the most goodness is when you Mm. think of liver, kidneys, black pudding, you know, that kind of thing. Um, We should just be eating more of it, you Mm. know? And we have, you know, lost the flavor for it, Mm. the taste for it. And to an extent we've forgotten how to cook with it, Mm. you know, as well. So there is a bit of an education, re-education around it, I suppose, in a way. But, you know, I just think it makes, so much sense you know mm. if we're gonna raise animals for food whatever your um, perspective on that is it just makes huge sense that you we eat every part of the animal yeah. as much as possible yeah. you know
0: yeah so so I can see you're lashing in the butter here now yes. <laughs> this, is, this is full fat <laughs> well yeah look I mean you <laughs> full can, of goodness, though.
2: yeah you can um you can grill it you can bake it, but you don't get the right texture. So which well, one are we going to go for? Well, what we'll do is we'll start with the two beef. Okay.
1: The um, the main thing for me and the difference is because the flavours vary quite a lot between them. And the beef and the pork, you're, you're right. I w- I would My way of describing it would be that I find the beef to be a little bit gamier. Yes. Um, yes. I While I find the pork to just be a little bit milder in in flavor of kind of you know animal flavor, yeah. but for me the real big difference across the black puddings is what's your what's your consistency that you like? Mm. Yeah, so that's it. I
0: like it a little bit kind of mushy.
1: Yeah, you know, so I don't like it when it's
0: too grainy. Ah, with right. These, yeah,
1: with these that are here, Jolene. Yeah. Like so, generally, just for people listening who might not be familiar with black pudding, the mushier as you describe them, are, or maybe let's let's call them a kind of more paste like black pudding that spreads uh yes. is generally f- made with fresh blood um fresh blood puddings tend to be a little bit more that way would you agree kate
2: no i wouldn't actually jack okay. because, i mean i know like say for example steam has good, steam has good, good, like good, that, good yeah. grain in it uh, inch house has a lot of grain in it too and um the Hawley's black pudding has a lot of grain in it too so i think actually it's more about um it comes down, actually, it comes back to the original recipe, and I think it comes down to the preference to the original recipe creator. Yeah. So that you know, some people do like a nuttier uh, a flavor to their black pudding, more, more texture, so they'll add more grains. Some will have one type of grain, like the Clonakilty black pudding just has pinhead oatmeal, but both the the Halley's black pudding and Ross Carberry black pudding they have a mixture of pinhead oatmeal and barley,
1: and barley, so yeah.
2: for a slightly different texture. Others, like my father-in-law is a big fan of a Thai black pudding. A Thai black pudding. A Thai okay. black pudding. This is how he says they have to make it. A Thai black pudding. And he brings it down and he says, cook that up for breakfast whenever they're coming down. And um, he, he loves that. And that is a much smoother. It has a lot less grain in it. And it's very, it, there's not a lot of um, spice in it either. But it's a very, very nicely flavoured black pudding. So, do you know, it really... This is what comes back to the whole recipe again, is why does one person make a black pudding like this and another makes it completely differently like this, with different grains, different bloods, different uh, ratios, spice? Um, you know, it's so different. And there's no real rhyme or reason other than personal preference. That's the only thing I can put it down to. It's not oh, yeah. even a regional thing. You can't even say... If you're in Dublin, it's going to be much smoother. It's probably always going to be made of pork, more than likely, because pork, uh, Dublin and Limerick, places like that, were huge centres of pork production. In cork, you're going to get more beef, because okay. pork was a big centre of beef production. It was a major cattle exporter to all over the world, as far away as the West Indies. They were provisioners of, of, of seafaring boats, naval boats. Um so, and there's a big whole story about that. I don't know if I go to that, but uh, you know, there is, there is, there is a reason why there is more um, black puddings in Cork made with beef rather than pork. But then, if in Dublin and Nimerick, they will probably always be pork because that's the tradition there.
0: So, what's the reason Whoa. that there's more in Cork? Because so, the...
2: can I put this on? Kind so of quiet. So the reason. So okay. So. Ireland, if you kind of read any of like the sort of the epic tales, Irish tales, um, there, there are grand tales of cattle ranching and stealing cattle and battles involving cattle and all this kind of stuff. Cattle is big in in in, in Ireland's mythology. The cow is huge. So, um, but in Cork, Cork was kind of like a, a huge area for raising cattle. Mm. But what happened was... <laughs> um, the Irish were very good at breeding cattle Mm. and then they would sell the cattle then over to the UK and the UK were kind of like specializing in fattening the calves. So they had these great plains of grasslands over Mm. Uh, and they'd take these kind of weenie kind of, um, well, hang on. That's the wrong one. (laughs) Uh, They take (laughs) these weenie kind of cattle and then they feed them up and fatten them up and slaughter them. And that was, that was great. Um, and then this one's done. It takes very little time, really. So that was that. And then, but Ireland got very, very good at it. And the British, obviously, love a good complaint. So <laughs> they were complaining, basically, to their members of Parliament, saying, you know, um, saying that uh, you know the Irish are, are too good at what they do, and we're losing money hand over fist. Um, and really, what we need to do is kind of have more control you see okay. the theme coming up here control. i see the control yeah, up,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> so they began in this is in the early early to mid 17th century so the 1600s um so the members of parliament started to debate a series of Catalacts okay in the in the parliament in the uk and in 1666 it culminated in the catalact okay which basically imposed so many um taxes on the export of Irish cattle to the UK that effectively was an outright ban
0: right
2: so overnight the Irish cattle industry was decimated mm-hmm. um so what to do so there was about two years of really kind of desperate times in Ireland okay. again for the cattle farmers and but in that time they decided you know what actually if we can export to the UK yeah. we just become as good or if not better than UK in raising breeding and raising and finishing mm. cattle okay. and slaughtering them. And then we'll just sell them to whoever wants them. The yeah. Dutch, the French, the West Indies colonies as okay. well. And of course, Cork Harbour is the second largest natural harbour in the yeah. world. It was a major centre of trade mm-hmm. from the butter exchange in Cork. So they that's exactly what they did. So within two years, by 1668, they completely uh, renovated, rejuvenated the... Um, I'm going to put that in
0: for Ernie. Put that in as well. <laughs> Ernie's Reg- the dog, by the way. And he's getting the last little yeah. morsel so, of black pudding. So it completely
2: regenerated <laughs> this. It became a huge boom in Ireland. Massive industry. Okay. And in Cork, then, you've got this whole thing of uh, the um, Cork becoming a centre for slaughtering cattle. And there's these great quotes of, of Cork being referred to as the Oxleyan capital of, mm. of Ireland. Well, and like rivers of ox blood kind of going down the streets of court city where they were just slaughtering them like huge hundreds of thousands of yeah, cattle yeah. every year um and then from that then you've got your barrel beef um your salted beef that was in barrels and put on ships for provisions for a long ways yes, of course yeah. so this is where we have our corned beef from yeah. which is basically salted beef and then in christmas time then as well in the easter time you take the beef Local people would take the beef and they put spices on it. And that's mm. where we get our spiced beef mm. from. But all the beef was d- destined to go outside of mm. Ireland. Yeah. So what was left for the people, the ordinary people of Cork to eat? Offal and blood. Okay. So Cork then became, uh, for ordinary people in Cork, offal became their meat of choice okay and blood pudding was a part of that as well right, okay. so it just intensified yeah. the process intensified the production yeah intensified the culture of eating it mm. as well in cork
0: particularly yeah. for. for... The smell here <laughs> is so delicious <laughs> it's, pretty good, it's mouth-watering it? actually can, can you smell it there jack can you hear can, it
1: yeah it's lovely i can hear it <laughs> <laughs>
2: So the other kind of thing, actually, about the Carnicotti Black Pudding one that I've got here, so you can buy it in the in the shops in like a plastic wrapping. Um, but the one I have here, they still make it in very small quantities in the natural casing in the original okay. intestine. So, um, and what you kind of find is that the the spice flavor is slightly mellower because the pudding can breathe inside the casing whereas it can't in a plastic casing gotcha so the spicing is mellower and it has a slightly drier texture mm.
0: and can you only buy that mm. in planet or you
2: can buy it if you can buy it in the english market okay. and a few places around but it has a much shorter shelf life mm. than the plastic wrap stuff so, so
0: what do you ask doesn't... for
1: when you're looking for this
2: you'll see it It just uh, um how can i explain i'll show it to you
1: i have it's like in a little horseshoe, isn't it
0: uh, yeah, I'm. am ju- just wondering if somebody wants to go in and buy um, pudding yeah. in a natural casing. What do they ask for when they so go say, to the like, butcher? So
2: this is Ross Carberry black pudding. So the plastic wrap—that's what most people are familiar with. Yeah. And then this is the Sonic Healthy one. Just turn back. Do you like cooking? Half the time, cooking is about using your ears. I'm
1: going to break your heart here, Kate. Well, I don't chop it up into rings like that when I cook it.
2: Do you not? How do you cook it?
1: I cut it top to bottom.
2: What? Ah. Interesting. Ah. Oh. Yeah. So that's yeah. natural case oh, in yes,
1: there.
2: Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Do you see? So it yeah. just looks completely different. So that's just the original... That's so it, the, that's the obvious edible. thing that
0: we're looking for is one is wrapped in plastic with a label and the other doesn't have plastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, and it, when you go to the butcher, he cuts off a piece and he puts it yeah. into a piece of paper or into a plastic bag.
2: That's it, and yeah. And
0: that, that's how you know the difference. You can buy
2: the full ring, you can buy half a ring, a quarter ring, whatever yeah. you want. And of course it will freeze. So, which is, which is good as well. Mm.
0: Do you have a favourite black pudding?
2: Do I have a favourite black pudding... I, I do like all his black pudding.
0: <laughs> We're about to try that now, so I'm going yeah. to see why it's your favourite.
2: It's just got a really nice... This is sound vague as hell, but it just has a really nice flavour. Okay. There you go, Ernie. in one. Stick it over there. So, yeah, it just has... Uh, I like the texture. I like the flavour. I kind of like... Um, I I love all... I do like all black puddings. I, mm. I would be... Opposite to you, they do, I prefer black pudding with texture in it. Okay. I'm yeah. less a fan of, like, the, the smoother ones. Okay. But that's just me. I like – I'm quite a texture-driven person yeah. anyway, so, um, right. Right. Okay. Let's. Uh, I also let's, think
1: the proof in the pudding. <laughs> I also think there's a time and place for it. Like if I make like a kind of a breakfast sandwich, so if I have sausages and rashers and and black pudding, I like clannachilti because it's kind of crumbly and it adds much mm. more crunch into mm. the the sausages which are soft. Yeah. Mm. But if I'm just eating black pudding on its own. I think it's the Ross Carberry recipes one that mm. I like the most.
0: Yeah. Well, we're the... about to do the taste test now, so I yeah. could give you uh, so my opinion up, on should, that. Drop
1: okay. you over there okay. with your pasta. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so should we try? Cheers. We're going to we're going to try the the pork one first. Yeah. This is Ross. Carberry so this is recipes. Ross Carberry recipes. Mm. Mm. So this is what I like about that kind of soft texture mm. that I was talking about.
2: And just it's always got like a, mm. a bacon-y flavour to it, a it, salted bacon flavour. It does, flavor. because
0: that's the pork, isn't it? Mm.
2: Yeah, they do put, I think there is bacon, some kind of bacon in mm. this. It just kind of gives that extra savoury element. And of course, because bacon's already salted, mm. it kind of means that you can put less salt in it. No,
0: there's definitely salt in it. Mm. Do you know when you eat pudding, do you just eat it like this? Or do you like to have it with um, a bit of relish or on a, on bread or...
2: Like Jack was saying there, it really just depends on how I'm going to eat it. Mm. I mean, I I regularly cook black pudding for tea mm. in the evening, and I particularly like it, Jack, in a like a kind of like a Spanishy style stew with chorizo, mm. and tomatoes, uh, mm. and lots of um, kind of cumin and stuff. Oh, nice! So it's really nice. But I will fire it into a chili, or put it into a bolognese. Mm. <laughs> I kind of do just yeah. I like to think of it as a flavoring as mm. well as like a meat product um but I you know I would kind of one of the things I love to do as well and it works with the clan and Kilti black pudding one it's a kind of well any kind of one actually that's quite grainy um it's to really really cook it cook it down cook it down cook it down into almost goes like um a soil you okay.
0: know it kind of just yeah, like yeah, breaks yeah. down
2: completely yeah. you know and then in um with some chicory Okay. Like squeeze a lemon mm. and then I'm, there's a chutney I make which is a rhubarb and tomato chutney oh. and it sounds crazy it sounds but delicious. It, it's really really good <laughs> uh, rhubarb and black pudding tomato, rhubarb, black pudding mm-hmm. the bitterness then you get through from the chicory mm. and that sort of just a bit of acidity then that cuts through from the mm. just a tiny little bit of lemon juice just really really works well together and that's really nice if you, if you crumble it into the chicory leaf like a mm. scoop makes a really nice kind of canapé gorgeous um, yeah yum 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 that's,
0: that's really good fun. yeah mm-hmm. well i'm very familiar with that pudding now and I, i've never been disappointed by it
2: yeah it has got a really nice flavor mm. and i think that kind of bacony element really sort of makes it more familiar a familiar mm. taste you know mm. Which one do you want
0: now? Um, well, I suppose let's try the Clanachiltie against uh, Hawley's one. So okay. Clanachiltie—I don't think there's anybody in Ireland who doesn't know Clanachiltie black pudding.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's huge at this stage. Um, can you
0: can you give us a little summary of the story behind the black yeah. pudding recipe? So the Clanachiltie black pudding recipe.
2: Yes, and I might even drop in a little surprise um, thing for you on this as well. So, so the story goes that in around sometime around eighteen eighty something, we're not mm-hmm. entirely sure when. Um, there is a lady called Joanna O'Brien
0: mm.
2: who she used to make the black pudding at her homestead which is in Sam's Cross which is only about five kilometres from here Okay. Um, which is another reason why I loved the idea as well <laughs> so she used to make blood pudding and she used to sell her excess blood puddings for pin money or egg money to a chap called Harrington who was the original well one of the original proprietors of a butcher shop on Pierce Street 16 Pierce Street in Connacilty. Okay. so she would sell it as a bit of extra money and then in 1880 something she wanted to retire and uh she uh, so the legend goes she agreed to sell her recipe for black pudding to mr harrington at the okay. shop okay so she did and there's this fantastic photograph of her um uh where she's sitting in this kind of full-on westcourt black regalia mm-hmm. you know cloak mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm in a chair, she's got a pair of glasses in one hand and a piece of paper in the other and it said and that... just she's handing fo- over the recipe. Yeah, it said... So this is the folklore method okay. uh, element, you know, okay. that this photograph was supposed to have been taken on the morning she was travelling to Pallon yeah. to hand over the recipe and that the piece of paper is said to be the recipe itself okay. Okay. but obviously you can't see anything on yeah. the piece of paper. So she travelled off, she handed over her, her recipe, got paid us some of money for it, we don't know how much um, and he took the recipe on.
0: Okay.
2: Then... Everybody who subsequently purchased the butcher shop inherited the deeds, the keys and the recipe for the black pudding. Right. And it's supposedly a secret recipe. So we can pick out what is made up in the black pudding. But the secret recipe element is to do with the balance of the spice mix. Gotcha. So you can maybe taste what kind mm. of spices are in it but we don't know the ratios mm. blah, blah, blah. so it's like mm. a recipe within a recipe itself mm. and that's mm. kind of the, the mythical kind of bit of it mm-hmm. so when uh Toomey, edward Toomey then bought the shop in 1976 he was a farmer mm. he bought the shop and he inherited this recipe for black pudding he was like mm. what the hell is this all about this is an
0: old-fashioned food and were they know? even still making it now in the butcher shop this time they
2: were making it when he acquired it there was a, a gentleman called paddy Orman who was okay. still making the black pudding And, uh, but Paddy died, I think only a couple of years after Toomey bought the shop. So Toomey was like, will I bother carrying on making it? It's really, really old fashioned, blah, 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 blah. So the time 1980s kind of coming into this new era of Irish food. So he stopped making it. And there was a bit of a public outcry. So yeah. like, what? Where's our black pudding gone? You've got to start making our black pudding. So he was like, oh, okay, fine, fair enough. So he was like, you know, if I'm going to start making it, I'm, I'm going to have to do something more of it. And mm. he started researching, like, mm. why is this mm. pudding so, like, enamoured with people, mm. you know, or people so enamoured with it? So he went off and he did his research and he found out about Joanna O'Brien, who was the old lady that sold the original recipe to Harrington, blah, 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 blah. So he was like, actually, I have something really quite special here this is like mm. a living artifact by this point the recipe mm. was a hundred years old mm. so he went off with colette his wife who's now the managing director of colonial black pudding company went off in a van with rings of black pudding in the back and mm. at this point it would still be made with fresh black fresh mm. blood pudding still in the natural casing and he went off all around the country to agricultural shows speaking to like chefs at the mm. pinnacle of their career mm. saying look this is really special. This is a piece of like living Irish Mm. culinary history. You know, we must do something. What can you do about it? Put it on your menu, put it on the menu, breakfast menu of the hotel, Mm. you know, come up with all different things. And there were two chefs in particular that really kind of took it and made it really quite, changed Mm. things really working with Jimmy. Um, And one was Jerry Galvin and Jerry Galvin uh, cooked the first dinner for the first meeting of the Eurotox, which was founded by Myrtle Allen. at Trinity College, Dublin, Mm. and he created this dish of Clonacilty Platt Pudding, oysters, Mm. with a a green apple kind of Mm. chutney kind of thing. Mm. Uh, And John McKenna wrote a summation of that meal, and he kind of referred to this kind of moment where this plate of food was placed before these really respected people of the Mm. food world from all over Europe, uh, this plate of the uh, princely oyster with the quotidian black pudding, mm. you know, and basically putting it out there that these are two ingredients that should mm. be considered equals, mm. Do you know, oysters yeah. and black pudding. This was yeah. like revelatory at the yeah. time, you know. Yeah. So that was a big kind of moment for the future of not just black pudding, but also this revivalist movement of traditional Irish foods. Okay. And then at the same time as well, you had Michael Clifford, who had Clifford's restaurant mm-hmm. in Cork, I think. Yeah, Cork. And uh, he was kind of sort of regarded as the, per- the person who sort of put black pudding in salads. Yes, yes. Stuffed a chicken breast with yeah. black pudding. Yeah. You know, he kind of found all the, he created all these different uh, mm-hmm. recipes of how, what to do with black pudding, using it, taking it away from just being a breakfast thing. Mm-hmm which, again, was quite a modern uh, thing um, and kind of saying, look, it, you know, it's a, this really versatile ingredient. It's a meat product. Yeah. Um, and look at all the different things we can, do, we with can do with it. So these two kind of chefs, along with Myrtle Allen, actually, who kind of champ- was championing in general traditional Irish food yeah. um, and methods, it kind of really sort of was the catalyst gotcha. for this kind of modern day, you know, huge yeah. Uh, corporate business that we have mm. sort of right on the doorstep in in Colin and Kilty. Mm. but it's still obviously the method of it being made is kind of different. It's made yeah. by machines now mm. and all this kind of stuff. But like so, the story goes that the recipe is exactly, exactly the same, the same. Wow. you know. And now Colette, like Toomey uh, to passed away in two thousand and five. He's very young. I think he was fifty four, okay. um, and Colette took over the business reluctantly. And now she, then she's, she's kind of
0: she's the keyholder now. She's got she the secret. She is,
2: recipe. and she still yeah. mixes the spices by hand herself. Oh wow! Yeah, that's amazing.
0: What Every a great single, story, yeah, isn't it? I know, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think we we'll love to try it. Yes,
2: there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Jack.
1: Cheers.
2: Did <laughs> you see what I say with well, the spices? Much mm. mellower mm. because this is a natural one, mm. drier.
0: Yeah,
2: making that really nutty, mm. Mm. Mm.
0: and it's that grainy texture there. Mm definitely an awful lot mellower yeah
2: you mm. can completely taste the difference between mm. them mm. if i were to get you the plastic wrap chub mm. it would taste completely different mm. well it would taste much more spicier but i think this is nicer yeah because there's a mellowness to it okay mm.
0: so the final, final black pudding, Polly's, the local butcher up the road using <laughs> real blood from his own abattoir.
2: Yeah, from his own cows, from his own abattoir. Now, so this is um, fresh blood, beef blood, a mix of pinhead oatmeal and barley. Um, a bit more fat in it for flavour. Okay. And a different kind of mellower spices. Natural casing again, so you mm. can eat it or you can just take it off, whichever yeah. is it's up to you. Cheers, Jack. Cheers, Jack. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> mm. It's wetter. More mm. fat.
0: Is that what that is? Okay. Mm. And it's tall. it's as kind of cr- I don't know if I'm crazy about this. No. Mm. Interesting.
2: It's definitely got do you know a richer it it's, it.
0: it's actually, yeah, it's like, kind of, I've got a greasiness around my mouth oh, now. Oh,
2: who knew? <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, who knew? Because there's loads of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but,
2: but do you see like how different they are? You can totally see the are. difference
0: between them, yeah. But like they're very, different. Very, very different. Yeah. And the, the texture is so completely different. And then mm. the, the level of spice and the intensity of it. Yeah. And also that kind of mouth feel afterwards with that greasiness. Oh no. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs>
2: And you sell it so
0: well. <laughs> With that, um, what you call it. Sorry, I'm sure there's better words for that. Unxiousness. <laughs> Unxiousness. The buttery feel yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. So, you know, and everybody will have their own favourite. I mean, I could have, and of course as well, the other thing about Ross Carberry recipes, of course, is that Willie Avril, and I think even Morris, mm. the youngest son, They're all indoctrinated into this really. uh, It's kind of like a a grand order of black pudding makers, Hmm. um, based in France somewhere, I think.
0: Oh, oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, this is like um, an award, isn't it? Mm. Of um, very prestigious Boudin Boudin Noir um, Master Mm. Master Boudin Noir. Yes,
2: you know, and it's all you know. It's the robes and the cloaks and the chains and all the rest of it. Like you know, it's. There's this very proud tradition
0: Mm.
2: of black pudding maker. And Avril and her family, the all-shares, they're the only black pudding makers where the entire family is indoctrinated into this order. Wow,
0: that's amazing. So two
2: generations. Mm, mm, mm. So, you know, there's a reason for that. Mm. You know, it is a unique recipe that they have created. You know, they take care over preparing every single... Piece of black pudding. It's highly flavorful. It's really delicious. Mm. um You know, and that's all been recognized for the integrity of their pudding making yeah. and the consistency of quality and flavor. And that's all kind of part of why they've been, um you know, indoctrinated so into this. Yeah, check. yeah, exactly. You know, so it's great. Amazing. Mm.
0: Whoa, this has been a, a hugely insightful uh, hour. <laughs> I can't believe where the time has gone. Yes. Any, any any other questions about back you've got for this lady? How are we going to find out about your research? Are you writing a paper or is there like
2: Well, yeah, so um I am Slowly uh, but surely, kind of released in some of my research from mm. the entire course on my website, flavour.ie. So um, I was kind of waiting, I suppose, for my Visuals piece to come out in the UK and also the presentation at UCC for the Myrtle Island Memorial Lecture before I publish it. But it's, okay. I'll be pu- so it'd be on my website, flavor.ie. flavor.ie enter the section of uh, the postgraduate coursework portfolio 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 of work Um, so people can access that and a couple of other things that I've put up there as well around women and bodies and all sorts of things.
0: Well that's it for this week congratulations Kate on such a super interesting research project I really and absolutely truly feel educated on black pudding now and I have to say super interested to get cooking it more and in different ways.
1: Yeah, I actually have some in my freezer
0: I always have some in my freezer
1: Do you? I had never frozen it before
0: <laughs> Really? No, I no. actually get it I cut it and then I put it in my freezer because I'm never going to go through like a whole log of black pudding at a go So then I just take out a couple of pieces okay. and away we go
1: That's a good idea And have you tried my, my, my trick of cutting it top to bottom yet?
0: That's for my next piece of black pudding But I'll give Cause it
1: because it's it's about the ratio of like crispy outside soft inside, you know
0: right okay interesting interesting
1: yeah kate is an amazing prolific writer so check out her social media or her website which is of the same name flavor.ie if you'd like to read more of her articles
0: definitely and check her out. she's always got super interesting and knowledgeable stuff on the go thank you so much for joining us kate thank you to our listeners now we have more and more new listeners joining us every week and we're really enjoying digging into these topics with you all so thanks for your
1: support So as we come into June, we've made the decision to go to bi-weekly with our podcast because it's a little bit trickier to actually find time with people as everyone gets busier in the summer. So we will see you in two weeks time for our next episode.
0: Great. Until then, bye bye. Take care.
1: Bye.